nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. I'm Devin. I'm joined here today by Brad and Seth. We'll get to them in a minute, but we're here to talk about the USA Men's National Team 2022 World Cup Group, Group B, uh, alongside Wales, England, and Iran. But first, let's uh, let's get to know our guests. Uh, with me today is Brad from St. Louis. Brad, how are you doing today? Doing good, Devin. How are you? Good, good. How's the little one? Good. It's, uh, it's a busy time in the house. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us, and uh, thank your daughter for uh, letting us borrow you for a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, Seth from Chicago. How are you doing, Seth? You're our first ever return guest. Yeah, I know. Glad to be here and happy to participate and th- stop thinking about the cold for a second. Uh, just a second. It's actually chilly here, too. Um, nice and rainy. Good uh, good Qatari soccer weather, right? <laughs> hey, I was about to say, you don't even need the air-conditioned pitch today. No, we don't. Uh, it'll be nice. So we're going to get straight down to business. I'm going to ask you guys for a couple of quick overall predictions. Uh, I did mine. I said we're going to beat England, but only end up with four points out of the group. Uh, five total goals scored. Brad, how many points are we getting? So I, I think we probably are getting four points is, is what my gut tells us or tells me. Um, you know, I think we I think we beat Wales. I think we lose a close close match to England and, and draw the final match against Iran. Um, that that seems to make the most sense to me. Probably, you know, three or four goals scored in there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Wales match here in a second. And my thoughts on that, but probably two one, one nil, and one one is is where I'm leaning. Do we get out? I think four gets us out. Okay. Uh, Seth, same question to you. I'm going to be the slight optimist and say we get five points out of this group. I see a 2-2 draw with Wales, a game that ends up being a little more open than a lot of people are expecting at first. A 1-1 draw with England, that is just going to be a silly game with probably a a goal that neither team deserves, probably pretty similar to the 2010 match. And then (laughs) that we end up getting revenge over Iran for 1998 and pull out a 2-1 win. That's enough to get us to be second in the group before we crash out in the round of 16. All righty. Well, uh, only time will tell. We play Monday, which is about uh, 48 hours from when we're recording this. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Brad, you want to tell us a little bit about Wales and what we can kind of expect in this game? Um, for those of you who don't know, Wales is playing their first World Cup match since 1958. Uh, so they're, uh, we had a layoff not going to 2018, but they're coming on uh, a, a lot longer hiatus. So, Brad, you want to kind of tell us uh, what we can expect there? Yeah, and I, I think Gareth Bale was on that 58 roster. Uh, uh, Joe Allen certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have just thrown out two two of the, the bigger names of that whale squad. Uh, Gareth Bale, Joe Allen, Aaron Ramsey, names probably well recognized by most soccer fans that have been paying attention to the game for some time. Outside of those three, um, maybe Ben Davies is a – is a name that people recognize, Ooh. you know, yeah, I know <laughs> Devin may take objection to that as a, as an Arsenal supporter, but uh, outside of those three or four players, it's not a lot of household names. Uh, this is a squad that, that includes players as far down the English pyramid as, as league two um, and probably expects some of those, uh, some of those lower league players to contribute Um I got to say, I think this is the weakest squad in our group. Uh, I know that may be controversial because of some of their their top-end players like Bale and Ramsey, but Bale and Ramsey are 33 and 31 years old. They're on the the wrong side of their their career highlights. Um, And I I really think that this this Wales team is going to struggle in in the group and is, you know, potentially looking to be totally shut out. I I don't know what Wales-Iran looks like, but I don't like their chances against England, and I don't like their chances against the U.S. Um, They're not going to want to see a lot of the ball, particularly, I think, against the U.S. I think they're going to 
be likely to bunker in, um, let the U.S. see a lot of a lot of possession, try to break them down. I know that particularly in qualifying, the U.S. had some issues uh, with that. But one one thing we have seen from uh, Greg Bearhalter's teams is that in tournament type play, uh, he seems to he seems to get get the squad motivated and moving in the right direction. I mean, I know the Gold Cup and the Nations League, the CONCACAF Nations League, aren't exactly the pinnacle of international soccer. Um, but he he does he does have a proven track record in his appearances in those tournaments. Um, and it's not like he's had an opportunity to to manage this squad in bigger tournaments. So we really can't hold him hold it against him for uh for lack of bigger tournament play. So I think, I think this U S squad will be up for it. I think that, you know, we have this young talented generation that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little more detail here in a bit, but uh, that that's excited to be there is, is ready to prove themselves on this big stage. And in the opening match against Wales, I I think they do find a way to break them down. Um, You know, Wales, Wales, big threat is going to be on the set plays as as any MLS fan saw in the uh, MLS Cup final, if they can if they can hobble Gareth Bale out there on the pitch and get him in the box from a corner or from a free kick, you know he is a mismatch and he he is going to uh, present some issues. But as long as you can limit those opportunities, uh, I think that that you handle Wales pretty easily. Okay, well that gives me a little bit of optimism on top of a. Gareth Bale, they also have a giant, and I don't mean by giant soccer standards, I mean he's built like a defensive end, uh, striker and Kiefer Moore. That's uh, true. Kiefer Moore, uh, <laughs> Kiefer Moore is, is a large man. Um, I know he uh, he lit up the, the championship last year, and, and you're kind of our championship expert here. Um, the other piece I wanted to well, get Seth involved here about is uh, the Wales goalkeeping situation. So uh lately they've been playing a also on that 1958 team uh Wayne Hennessy who I think <laughs> might actually be in his 40s at this point um he's been the backup keeper um actually to Ethan Horvath I think most of the year uh which is a little surprising he's playing for Wales right now because they have a Premier League starter in Danny Ward for Leicester but um anybody who's watched the adventures of uh Leicester playing defense in the Premier League this year might understand that uh, Danny Ward is not the most secure goalkeeper at uh, at yeah, stopping shots. <laughs> uh, Devin, he's over at Nottingham Forest now. He's actually backing up uh, Dean Henderson over there. Ah, okay. So okay. that is the uh, Manchester United loanees over there at the Nottingham Forest squad that bought half the world this year and is still um, in the bottom half of the uh, premiership table. But they also have uh, Nico Williams on that side who should be in the Wales starting 11 on Monday. And uh, Brennan right. Johnson, who's also been on – an alternating forward uh, some of the projections I've seen, sometimes they see him starting, but I expect to see him either starting or coming off the bench with now five subs in the World Cup as well. Can we expect to see a lot of Dan James, who had kind of like a dicey spell at Leeds? He's now at Fulham, um, another guy who's who had high hopes and then went for playing time and it hasn't all worked out for him. Are we Are we going to see a lot of him? Yeah, I would expect to see a bunch of him for for Wales. But Wales is still really trying to figure out their formations. If you look at it, they've played five Nations League matches. And unlike CONCACAF Nations League, they've played pretty legitimate opponents in Switzerland, Belgium, and Poland, all other sides that are in the World Cup. And they have not won a match since beating Ukraine on June 5th to qualify for the World Cup. Shots fired against Grenada there. Okay. Um, 1980s news back to us. (laughs) Uh, okay, so we got your predictions. Uh, are we thinking this is going to be a Wales comes out and tries to attack us early on and then kind of sits back? Or are they just going to sit back from the get-go? Uh, Brad, what do you think? Look, I, I think they're they're going to sit back from the get-go. I, I don't see them coming out uh, pushing forward and attack. I think they're going to be a little more cagey and, again, you know, given given the fact that this U.S. team has has had struggles uh, breaking teams that sit in uh, down, I think that that they're gonna you know make us come to them and break them down. That being said, you know they they may in in stretches go on go on the attack, get into transition, and and move forward. But by and large, I think this is going to be a defensive effort from Wales. 
So from the U.S. perspective, is this a, a must win or do we simply need a point and a, and a result here and just stay alive? Don't get yourself buried in the first game. What do you think, Brad? That's a that's a tricky question because, you know, that's why I asked it. You you <laughs> World Cup group being three games, uh, you very fine margins for error. You know, but at the same time, it's hard to say that uh, your first game is is a must win. I mean, it definitely puts you in a tight spot if you if you get anything less than three points because if you get a point, just a point against Wales, you know you start to feel like you really need to get something out of the England game so you're not just leaving yourself with uh, an opportunity against Iran. Uh, if you get no points against Wales, if you if you go out and lose, you know not a lot of teams lose their first game and make it out of the group. So. I, I don't know that I'd call it a must win, but um, it sure would be nice to win. And it's it's definitely a must not lose. I, I would absolutely agree with the must not lose there. The United States has been in the World Cup nine times before. Four times the U.S. has lost their first game. All four times the U.S. did not make it out of the group stage. Uh, the five times that the U.S. has gotten a win or draw in their first match in the group stage, they've advanced to the next round. Okay, so it's that simple. We'll be able to tell exactly if we're uh, qualifying or not based on the first game. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, we don't even have to play the. Uh, we don't even have to play England or or Iran. Yeah, there we go. I can go shopping on Black Friday, which is totally something I do. <laughs> um, so I kind of talked to Braden on our uh, our last podcast about this, but um, we kind of all agree Wales are going to sit back a little bit more. Do you play all three of Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa? Do you slide in one of our extra kind of wings or forwards? Uh, do you go with the traditional striker? Do you put um, Pulisic up top? Uh, how do you handle this? Seth, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to play your starting midfield here, assuming Weston McKinney's healthy. And from what we've seen in training this week, he looks healthy. I mean, he had been, had some knocks over at Juventus over the last few weeks. But I think you have to play your starting midfield here. The question is, who do you start up top here? And, I mean, Jesus Ferreira looked in terrible form finishing this, the MLS season and throughout um, FC Dallas's playoff run. I would, would honestly not start him in a game like this, but it's you want to have – you're going to need to have quick players at this point. I mean, if T- Tim Weah was looking really good, I would, le- would love to see Tim Weah starting up there. I mean, either in a winger role or in a false nine type role there. You could – I mean, if – I mean, at this point, Geo looks healthy, Pulisic's healthy, Way is healthy. I think you bring them as your as your start as your starting three up up top, and you and then having someone like Brendan Aronson to bring off the bench at like the 60th minute mark is uh, something that most teams don't have the luxury of doing, and would love to see Burhalter do something like that in a match, especially if we're in a nil nil one one situation and we really need someone to run a high press and help get get a winning goal in this match. Uh, same question to you, Brad. How are you handling this? So I have a different answer. Um, I, I don't think you start Weston McKinney in this match. Um, I think I think you want somebody more creative. Um, and if you get get yourself in a position in the 60th minute or so that you need need a spark, that's when you can turn to McKinney off the bench. He's just going to go in, make those make those late follow runs into the box, be a bull in the china shop, and and you know try to try to find that last goal if you need it. But I think you need uh, some more creativity alongside uh, Musa and Adams against the team that's, that's going to sit back. Um, You know, I, I think that's either slotting Reyna in a kind of a midfield type role that, that has a little bit of freedom to, to float um, or Brendan Aronson is the, is the other, option there um with his with his energy and and ability to uh to kind of pick out a pick out a pass into the into the box in the final third um you know on the wings it's it's probably Pulisic and uh Tim Weah I think that that those have to be your starting wings based on based on quality and form I probably start Sargent up top I do get the idea of uh Putting putting Wea up top in kind of a, I don't know that that would even really be a false nine, but not a not a traditional striker, and then being able to get both Reyna and McKenney in the team that way by putting Reyna out on the wing and McKenney back in the midfield, but I 
I think you want a more traditional striker, a Josh Sargent target man type striker. Because um, you have to remember with Sargent, you know, while he's been in great form for Norwich, they, they really play him out of position out on the wing. I think he does do best receiving the ball in the box. Um, I think that that's the best use of his skill set. And I think if you get him in there against Wales, he can he can cause some problems, especially if you have the right players getting the ball into him. Okay, well, I'm going to completely disagree with both of you. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm going to go with the uh, the two in midfield, but uh, I'm taking Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. Uh, I want Aronson out there um, basically as the press trigger, and I would have Geo on the right, Pulisic on the left, because I want Tim Way off the bench if we're in that 60, 70th minute, uh, and it's nil-nil or we need a goal for whatever reason, and his directness with a more tired defense I think is is going to be a huge advantage. And uh, even with uh, what Seth pointed out, with uh, Jesus Ferreira not exactly having a great end of the season, some Austin fans weren't exactly upset about that. Um, I'm still starting him because I like him more as a speed option. And so when Wales do come out and do kind of push forward a little bit more, we can ping the ball in behind and, and maybe catch him there. Um, and I, I think we're, we're all going to see that striker is going to be a rotating thing. And, you know, if there's somebody with a hot hand or, you know, maybe for all we know, Haji Wright scored 20 goals a day in training right now, and he's going to be out there. Right. Um, so I think we're all kind of grasping at straws on that one. The other big question I had for the two of you, and we'll start with Brad on this one, uh, who's playing alongside Walker Zimmerman. Well, and, and I'll answer that in a second. I do want to circle back to to one point that it seems like while all three of us had, had a different outlook on how you, how you set up or how you line up, um, a lot of the thought process was was the same there. And, and it is one thing that, that I do want to highlight about this team in particular that I, I don't think we've really had the luxury of in past World Cups is, you know, we have, we have options on how to line up and still be able to bring something in late in the game that can change the game. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about leaving one of McKenney or Wea or Aronson on the bench, um, when any of those guys would have been lock starters in previous World Cups and your bench would not have been deep. So, you know, it is it is nice to have uh have those kind of options and and you know not be necessarily looking at guys like Roldan or Morris as your as your sixtieth, seventieth minute uh bench subs. So, you know, I think we can all we can all be grateful there. Uh um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so who do who do I start uh next to Zimmerman? That that is a interesting question because you know I think particularly against a team like Wales I think it does have to be Aaron Long um, you know now candidly I almost think you're better served with Tim Ream and Aaron Long uh, if if you're starting Long I think that. Reem is is the most solid at the back of anybody on this roster in that center back slot. Aaron Long, we know, is is error prone, um, particularly since he's come back from that injury. It's very um, diplomatic of you. I, you know what he he's on he's on the roster and and we're you know we're moving forward with him, so I'll be diplomatic. Um, but I just on a team that's going to look to sit back and and maybe try to you know, take their opportunities on transition and get in behind. Um, Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman would make me nervous because, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of speed there. Uh, and when you think of the fact that our, that our right back and left back are likely going to be pushing up the field, um, given the way we play and the amount of space that we expect to have, you need – the best, at least some speed back there at center back to get back and cover. Now I know that Aaron Long doesn't exactly uh, scream, you know, a scream sprinter either, but I think he does give you a little bit more speed and recovery than, than either Ream or Zimmerman. So I think, I think I would leave Zimmerman on the bench and start Ream and Long. Now Bear Halter's probably not going to do that. Um, so if if it's Walker Zimmerman, then I think it's Zimmerman and Long in the uh, in the Wales game, and then you might see Zimmerman and Ream in the the England match where, uh, you know, you might you might benefit more from that defensive solidness. Okay, uh, Seth, what are you thinking? 
So I will agree with the second part of this. I definitely think we're going to see Ream and Zimmerman in the England match. I mean, the reason that Tim Ream was brought into the squad after not having been brought in, obviously he's been in great form for Fulham, but you have to be able to, for a match where the U.S. is probably going to be sitting back more and having those defending against set pieces where you're not going to be having to make as long of runs, I definitely see Tim Ream as being the starter on Friday with Walker Zimmerman. And unless bearing any injuries or anything else, that it is getting to a point of like, they should be the starting back. I'm going to go out there and say that I would not be, I don't, if I were the coach, I'm obviously not 3G Greg here, but there is Cameron Carter Vickers might be a really good option for Monday. And, I mean, I don't expect to actually see him start, but he could. I mean, he has the speed. He has someone who plays playing for Celtic, playing. I mean, you have a number of guys in this Wales team that are in the Scottish um, Premiership. Playing that type of football actually might be really smart to have him paired up alongside Walker Zimmerman to start this match. All sorts of wild cards here. Um, So I thought it was interesting Brad, your perspective that we really need to worry about set pieces, but you wanted to leave a walker on the bench. Um, I think I'm I'm going to kind of go with the classic Zimmerman long here just because it's the first game. Everybody's going to be nervous, and that's your continuity start. Um, and we'll get to the, the ream bit with England because I completely agree with you, uh, with both of you on that. Um, well, and to, to, to answer that a little bit, I, I think you get that same kind of uh, solidity that Zimmerman offers you on set pieces out of Ream. I think that he has shown that over his career. Um, and I think that the Zimmerman and Ream have a lot of overlap uh, in their role on this roster. Okay. Um, so I think that's all the, the questions I had for you guys. Obviously, we all agree Matt Turner starting a goal, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what's gone? Jedi and Dest will be the other starters at fullback, left for sure. fullback, unless unless you guys see something I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I could see there is um, if if there's some kind of matchup, you know, Greg Bearhalter or 3D Chess that that he wants to play down the left, but I I could see that more against in England where we might be sitting back more, um, you know, maybe see Joe Scali in there instead of, instead of Robinson, but that's certainly not how I would line it up. I, I don't think Greg's going to get too creative in this uh, opening game and uh, maybe he will. We, we might all be in for a surprise. I mean, he is tricky with those bounce passes. Who knows? Um, okay. So we had our discussion. We'll ask it again in case you changed your mind. Final score, USA against Wales. Seth, what's it going to be? I said uh, 2-2 at the beginning of this. I mean, for um, MLS fans, Wales is the most equivalent team to Real Salt Lake that you're going to see. They're going to sit back, but occasionally we, I don't know, you and I saw a 2-2 game between Austin and Salt Lake last month. Anything is possible on this kind of stuff that I don't expect to see Wales score two goals in the first 15 minutes. That would legitimately surprise me and terrify me. And I'd be scared what would happen to my television at that point. But um, I would not be surprised to see a match where you have more opportunities than you think and say that the U.S. um, in very U.S. fashion blows one that they should win and it will be a 2-2 draw. All right. I could see it. Um, I mean, the U.S. doesn't have Drew UC to rescue them, so we'll see. Um, Brad, what do you think? Changed your mind? Are you going to stick with your earlier prediction? I'm sticking with 2-1. I think there's a there's a goal for the U.S. on either side of halftime. Um, I think that it, it gets a little uh, a little tight at the end. I do think that we will see some some set-piece heroics from, from Gareth Bale. I think that, you know, they will find a way – to, to get him the ball in a position to score late and it'll it'll be a a nervy last five to ten minutes but I do think we hold on and, and get the three points okay good I like the optimism uh, I'm gonna go with a one one draw we're gonna give up an early goal stick one in about 60 70th minute and then not be able to to get the winner um, all right well since the draw came out I think we've all been waiting to to get this England game on. Uh, as Seth knows very well, we don't do research here. We do vibes. So we're going to talk about vibe in this England game, and that's kind of how I'm going to get us in here. Uh, so the U.S. played England in the 2010 World Cup as well in the group stage. Very early goal from Steven Gerrard, the uh, famous shot through uh, Rob Green later in the game. Um, got the U.S. a 1-1 draw. Uh, the only previous World Cup game between the two was in uh, Brazil in 1950. 
the U.S. with a team of basically a bunch of random St. Louisians and a cook from New York who is actually from Haiti and uh, a, a player from Scotland. Uh, went and beat at the time what was thought to be the best team in the world in England, 1-0. Uh, there's a god-awful movie starring Patrick Stewart and Gerard Butler about it. I don't recommend watching it, but if you really, really want to get in the mood, uh, it's called The Game of Their Lives. I've also seen it build under Miracle Match. But I'm going to go here. The U.S. is going to win 2 to nothing on an absolutely stupid goal early in the game. England's going to press super hard, uh, which is not what Gareth Southgate sets them up to do, so that might actually scare me a little bit more than if we uh, were nil-nil for a while, and then we'll pick off a late one. So I'm going to go U.S. 2-0. And we're going to start, Sergeant. We're going to start Tim Ream. If anybody else has any native St. Louis in blood, please throw them on the field. Um, I want as much St. Louis vibes to get that 1950 again. I'm calling it right now. Soccer's coming home. Seth. <laughs> Soccer's coming home. We don't see this. I, I do think the U.S. will be incredibly motivated to play this game. I mean, one thing that I have, continuing on the vibes train here, it is, I mean, it's been warm in Doha. And I mean, thank God we are not playing a June, July World Cup here. I mean, that would just be, I mean, players would literally die. I mean, I do expect fans are going to die in Qatar, but that's a whole other story. Uh, I don't think that will be related to the weather, but that will be related to other things. But I mean, these videos that you've seen up on Twitter and Instagram the last few days of the English players dying at the 87, 88 degree November Doha heat. I mean, these matches will kick off at 10 o'clock local time, which is going to be weird for the players. Like, they're, no one's really used to playing matches locally that late. So I do expect to see some funny results. And I think the U.S. is going to come out more motivated for this match. But this England team and in the Euros and in other competitions tends to come back. And I expect to see sort of a reverse of of the 2010 match where England will be able to find that equalizer, especially if the U S gets an early goal there. I don't like, even if it's Raymond Zimmerman, like our defense is not strong enough to hold off. I mean, Harry Kane, Phil Foden for 60, 70 minutes. So I'll say it's a one, one draw. All right, Brad, what do you think? You know, I, I predicted earlier one nil loss and, and that is, you know, that is still what my head says, but you know, it's a head heart type of deal, and I, I, I do see a world in my heart where where we edge out, you know, another two one two nil victory, like I predict against Wales. Um, and if that's the case, obviously the goals have to come uh, from from Christian Pulisic, um, given uh, the the slack that that he gets from, or I guess the flack that he gets from. Uh, Many of the Chelsea fans and uh, his his club situation not necessarily being the best right now. There there would be something sweet about uh, uh, a, a vintage Pulisic performance where he he almost single handedly goes and and topples England. But again, I I just logically don't see that to be a uh, a high likelihood outcome. Okay, um, let's get in, into the lineup a little bit. Uh, we kind of talked about the midfield in, in the Wales match, and I mean, it's essentially the same question here. Um, in order to boss the midfield, I think I'm playing all three. Um, we get Eunice out there. We get Weston out there. We get Tyler Adams out there. Um, moving forward a little bit, I think we start Sargent up top. He's kind of a do-everything striker a little more than than the others. Um, Pulisic's out there. Purely for the relentless amount of shit Brendan Aronson has been talking since this draw came out in, in Leeds. Um, I think he's got to be out there. And uh, I think for, for this one, I'm going way up. Like we, we kind of mentioned before, he's a little more direct. And this might be a little bit more of a sit back on the counter. And, you know, if ball comes out on the wing, you got to go and take it to the rack. And I think he's the guy for us to do that. Um, obviously, Pulisic can do that as well. Um, Seth, how you feeling? Pretty similar to you there. I mean, I want to make sure that Gio is coming off the bench in this match. Gio, there's no way that Gio Reyna can go to. I mean, this is a, another difference about this World Cup is that it is a more compressed schedule than we've had in World Cups past. We only have three days off between each of these matches, and that's going to be true for every team in this group. It's not, well, I guess, technically Qatar and um, Ecuador get four days because of FIFA, you know, on 93 days notice moving the first match of the World Cup. But don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see the opening ceremonies of the World Cup, not for 
for um, football reasons, but for um, just see what shenanigans will be there, especially after um, Giovanni Infantino's press conference today, because I'm sure there will be shenanigans tomorrow. Yeah, uh, actually, but... um, let me let me jump in here for a second. Uh, Riley and I were going to do our full World Cup preview yesterday, but because of all the news coming out, we figured we'd we'd wait and see the opening ceremony and see uh, see what that looks like. But we've officially dubbed yesterday as Shot on Friday. Yeah, there's that. And then the press conference today, just like, you can't even make up the stuff that he's saying. Like, I really thought it was made up when I saw it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll have to check that out. Oh, I mean, we will... And maybe have to record some uh, additional thoughts. I mean, oh, there yeah, is a... I will, I'm just going to read off the opening quote of the press conference. Today, I feel Qatari. Today, I feel Arab. Today, I feel African. Today, I feel gay. Today, I feel disabled. Today, I feel a migrant worker. All right. And it, it gets manages to get worse from there. It really does. I highly recommend you uh, check it out. Maybe pop some popcorn ahead of time. Um, I mean, poor, poor favorite beverage of choice. I know it's still early, but like this is this is wild. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Anyway, back to the roster. Seth, what are we doing? Well, what are we doing here? So I, as I was saying, I really like like to see someone – Gio's not going to be able to go 270 minutes over these three matches. And I think this is a match where you bring in someone with his energy, his creativity, especially if we are down in a draw um, later in the match here, that it's definitely – I would love to see him – um, come off. And this also, you have to remember, he was born in England as well. It's like, we always talk about Pulisic and Brendan Aronson, like on having the expectations. This is a guy who was born in Manchester um, when his uh, dad was playing over, or actually, I forget if he was born in Manchester or up in Sunderland. I have to double check on that part of it. But it is still, I know he was born in England and you get to that point there and he's going to be incredibly motivated to come off here. And I expect to see um, um, him, and again, we have options. Like, this is really nice. And one thing, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jinx this because someone will get hurt because it's inevitable in these matches. But, like, this is the healthiest we have seen a U.S. roster um, in the last few years of this cycle. I mean, yes, I would love to have Miles Robinson right now. But for the most part, and Chris Richards. But for the most part, like, this is a, especially up at, with our attackers and our midfielders. Like, this is about as healthy as we've been in a long time. So I'm glad that that's coinciding with this World Cup. Yeah, I think we uh, we touched on it a little bit uh, in the last podcast going over the roster, but there's no way to look at this. You know, we're talking about Aaron Along and Walker Zimmerman and Tim Ream, but uh, regardless of how we set them up, there's always going to be a giant Miles Robinson-sized hole in the back of this back of this team, and um, it's nice we have some options to deal with it. Um, Brad, how are you lining up for this game? So, so in this game, I I, I think I am taking the the Musa McKenny Adams midfield, um, and you know. I think up up in front of them, um, it's probably Wea back to the bench and Aronson out out there on the right, Pulisic on the left. Uh, I I just I don't think you can drop Pulisic. You know I think in this game you're you're a little more open in who who you might be able to start up at the striker position. I probably if if I've started uh, Sargent against Wales. Uh, you know, I think I'm probably starting Ferreira here. Um, and then again, going back to what what we kind of talked about with the, the back line, I think this is the match that is that is the Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman um, combo at, at the back for the, the added solidity that, that those two guys offer you. We haven't talked about him much. Uh, and I haven't seen his form too well. I'm sure Seth can tell us how he's doing. But is there a role for Haji Wright in this game? Uh, maybe late. I, I, w- I would surpri- I would be surprised to see Haji Wright start any of these three matches. But if you need someone who is a big physical guy to come in late in the match here, like I could see him being more of like a 75th, 80th minute sub. But yeah, I, I think there's it's a possibility. Yeah. And- and I- Go ahead. I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think that, that Haji Wright is, is very much brought in here as as your uh backup striker. You know, he, he's not brought in to start any of these matches. He's brought in to, to be a game changer up top with his physicality um, you know, late in the game. So I, I certainly think that that applies to, to any of these three group stage matches. Um and that's gonna be where he's he's best deployed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it sort of reminds me of the role that um, Divac Origi played for the Belgian team in the 2014 World Cup. That's a good comparison. I didn't think about that. 
Okay. I think we're kind of in a similar boat too with uh, Kellen Acosta. We, uh, we touched on this. I love seeing him in the Gold Cup in the Nations League. I don't want to see him start a World Cup game ever. But if you need a guy to send in a great dead ball, you know, throw him on 70th minute, he can play a little bit of right back. He can play uh, central midfield. He's he's a good guy to have have around, especially with, with the five subs. Do you guys see – I mean, is he kind of our main – him and LDLT are main midfielders if we're going to bring someone in off the bench? Do you see a lot of rolled on? Um, Brad, do you do you have an opinion there? Yeah, I, I think you're you're probably right that it's – Delatore and uh, and Acosta are, are you're likely to see off the bench situationally. I think you might you might see um, more minutes from Delatore depending on uh, depending on how much rest you want to kind of give the the Musa and Adams McKenney group. Um, you know because I think you are going to be leaning on particularly. Musa and Adams to start every game. I know I I put McKenney on my bench in the first game, so I think both those guys are going to to need some relief um, because they're they're just simply not going to go the full ninety uh, for all three games with with the short rests, you know, behind you. So I, I think you'll see Delatore be the the main release valve for them. But again, I do think situation dependent um Acosta does offer you offer you a lot with his set piece delivery and you know is is a solid um defensive midfielder I mean I'm with you I don't think he he's a starting player in this world cup but I I certainly think he has value uh to come on in late in the second half and and be a solid set of legs that can also deliver a deadly set piece uh, Seth, anything to add there? We have no idea how healthy Luca Delatore is. Like mm-hmm. it's one of the things. Like as he's been, um, what you call coming back. He has not been playing much this fall. Like I, he looked great in some of the qualifying matches. There's no doubt about that. But I, I have no. I mean, and obviously I'm not in Qatar right now, so it's not like I've been able to see training or anything. Or even if I was, they'd probably find a way to execute me before sneaking in there. But there's a. Um, I get to the point, like, I just don't know how healthy he is. I don't know. I mean, I want to be pleasantly surprised and would love to have him as an option to possibly, I mean, we'll get to the around match in a little bit here, but have him as an option available, but we just don't know how, how good he's looking right now. Okay. Well, if you did sneak in, I think our friends at the uh, false nine already have council retained. So we'll see what we can do to, uh, yeah, no, to get you out of there. <laughs> I, I don't know if what the Qatari bar looks like, and I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't think either Brad or I have passed that, so we'll uh, we'll have to to leave it to the experts. Um, we're gonna do a little bit of a wild card question here, and uh, we'll start with Seth. If the U.S. are you okay if the U.S. beats England, but that means they go out at the group stage? Um, I mean, so that would you guys... be. <laughs> go ahead. It's a good. It's a good question. Um, ultimately. A round of 16 match is more important to the U.S. than um, beating England, even though for the cultural significance of it, it would be very American for us to show up in the biggest moment and then manage to get – As I mean, if we get four points, it's 50-50. If we get five points, we're getting out of this group. If mm-hmm. that means beating England means we only get one point or no points against Wales and Iran, and I think that would just be so – it would be so demoralizing as a country – to beat England and then lose to Iran to not make it out of the stage that that loss would overshadow the England win. So I would say, no, I would rather get out of the group than beat England. Uh, it would be very on brand for the the theme of this podcast for us to do that. And very USA. Uh, Brad, what do you think? I, I think that it's a no brainer. I, that would, that would be a failure at the world cup. If, if, if you don't get out of the group stage, that has to be the goal. And I don't think beating England is, um, in any way, a uh, you know a worthy gold star that that would you know that would change the fact that it was anything but a failure if we don't get out of the group. Um, so I I just I I don't even see that as as something I would be even slightly pleased about. I think you have to get out of the group, even if it means you lose to England and, and take you know some number of points off off of Wales and Iran. Um, but at the same time, I also, you know, feel like if you beat England, you're probably getting out of the group. I find that that's such a, such an 
edge case scenario where you manage to to beat England but don't manage to get enough points from the other two games to get out, um, then I don't think we're going to have to worry about it. Okay. Um, I haven't thought this one through. It just kind of came to me while we were discussing this. I think I'm with you just for the extra experience we would need for 2026. Even if we get smacked around in a our first knockout game, it would be worth it to have uh, that experience for all these guys. And I kind of lean a little bit towards, well, it'd be really nice to beat England. And if we don't get out of the group, Greg might actually get fired. But I don't know if that's worth sacrificing the extra um, experience and playing time that that these guys would get. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and we're, I, go ahead. And I, I think if you start looking ahead towards 2026, you get to the world where we're going to, because of this World Cup being later, it's a shorter cycle. There's going to be no qualifying for the next cycle. There's not going to be that many big national team matches. I mean, we'll have a B-list Gold Cup. Um, at, I guess well, there's two Gold Cups in that cycle. So we'll have one maybe A-list, one maybe B-list Gold Cup. You'll have some – hopefully the USA, Mexico, and Canada will be able to join the new UEFA Conable, um Nations League to get some better matches. But, like, there's just – I mean, Qatar had to tour the world, and I guess they are in the 2023 Gold Cup as well, um, sponsored by Qatar Airways. Um, that is um, to get – any decent matches out of this. So it's it like just getting big matches is so important. Obviously we're in the world cup. Now this world cup matters. 2026 matters more, but every match, especially for having the second youngest side of the world cup really matters. And just getting more pressure matches is so important. All right. I agree. I wanted to say yes to that question, but uh, I, I think I'm also uh, uh we'd rather get out of the group than beat England. Um, all right, let's go back around and, and see if anybody's changed their mind. Seth, score prediction after we've had our discussion? Nope, I'm stick, sticking with 1-1. Brad? I'm going to split the difference and go with a 1-1 draw between uh, between my optimistic heart and my pessimistic head. You know. All right. I, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it even if we lose on Friday. Soccer's coming home. 2-0 USA. Uh, all right, let's talk about Iran. Seth, you want to tell us a little bit about how you see this one going? Yeah, so Iran's a good team. Like, it is crazy to me that they're at the bottom of the list with Saudi Arabia and most likely odds to win the World Cup. But I think it's just biased betters. And I assume that Iran, the uh, Persians are not doing their sports betting on sites that are linked to the rest of the global economy. Um, I mean, I mean, them and Costa Rica are at the bottom. And Costa Rica probably should be at the bottom. They have a brutally difficult group with uh, Spain, Germany, and Japan. But... Uh, with this Iran team, they are the highest-ranked team in Asia. They only gave up four goals in the uh, 10 matches of qualifying, and two of those were two South Korea and Seoul. I mean, that is a really impressive performance. Um, it's a squad that is made up of a combo of international player uh, players playing abroad and players playing domestically. And I will be the first one to admit to you that I have never watched a single minute of the Iranian domestic league, but some things are a little harder to get even on um, illegal soccer streams than other things out there. Um, they do have a world-class striker in Mehdi Tarimi. He has been tearing it up for Porto. He has scored five goals in the Champions League group stage. He has scored, I believe, six goals domestically so far this season. And he's going to be someone that's going to be really difficult for the U.S. to stop. I mean, obviously, they'll have played against Harry Kane in the match before. But still, this is going to be a, a challenging assignment. I mean, this match is going to be really hard. Like, the, the first two we've tried to preview what the U.S. 11 is going to look like. I don't even think we can come close to previewing what the U.S. 11 is going to look like here because so much of it's going to be dependent on do we need a result? Do we need a draw? Do we need a win? What does Iran need out of this? And it's just, it's really, really hard to predict this because it's going to be predicated on what happens in the two matches before to figure out what type of, I mean, yes, the U.S. is probably going to play a 4-3-3 in one way or another because that's what we do under Greg Berhalter for the most part. But trying to figure out exactly how the pieces are going to come together is really hard to predict, and it's really predicated on the first two matches. Okay. Brad, anything to add? No, I, I do want to, you know, I do want to say that I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a game that both of these sides are going to come into with uh, – you know, with the attitude that they need to get a result, I think this will dictate who the second team out of the group is. Um, 
you know, based on based on the result here, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say exactly what that's going to look like because, again, as we just talked about, it's going to be dictated on on the group matches that come before it. But based on the relative strengths of these teams, I, I do think that they're going to be the two that are competing for that second uh, second spot in the knockoffs knockouts behind England. Um, you know, though there's also a world in which you know, if if uh, the U.S. beats England like Devin suggests, you know these these two teams could be looking at permutations where they're the two groups that advance, or the two teams that advance out of the group. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And um, Seth mentioned people kind of write off Iran. Part of that's they only have two World Cup wins in their history, one of which is against the United States, um, but they were incredibly close to qualifying. Um, out of their group in the in the last World Cup, they have a, a coach who knows what he's doing. He's been around the block, Carlos Carrasch, who um, uh, after Egypt failed to qualify, went back and and rejoined the team. Seth, uh, do you want to give us a little background on him? Yeah, Carlos Carrasch is an interesting, interesting man. He was actually born in Mozambique of all places when it was still a Portuguese colony in the fifties. Um, he's was, almost uh, as old as Joe Allen. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, he actually, Carlos Gers probably has memories of the 1958 Wales team, if um, assuming they broadcast the World Cup in Portuguese Mozambique in 1958. Um, was not really a successful player, but has been around the managerial ranks for 30 plus years. I mean, this is a guy who was the manager of Portugal from 91 to 93, and then again from 2008 to 2010. My favorite stop of his, I have to laugh, is that he was one of the original managers in the 1996 MLS kickoff as the original manager of the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. He then went over to be the manager of the Nagoya of, of Nagoya in the Japanese League. He managed the UAE. He's managed South Africa. He was a Man U assistant. He managed Real Madrid. And he has now managed Iran at the last three World Cups. And the last Iranian coach um, who got them through qualifying um, got fired earlier this summer when he got into a fight with most of the players on the team. I mean, it's amazing. You go, they had eight wins, one loss, and one draw in qualifying. And that, that coach is not managing to manage the team at the World Cup. That's quite an impressive feat. Um, and he didn't even speak out against the regime, which is why you would think he would actually get canned from the job. But I mean, Kiros, they've, I mean, as Devin said earlier, I mean, they almost made it out. I mean, they got a draw against Portugal. I mean, their keeper saved a PK from Ronaldo in the last World Cup. Um, this is a good side, and it is a team not to be underestimated. They play as a cohesive unit. Um, they're probably going to come out in a 4-1-4-1, which is an interesting uh, a formation that the U.S. doesn't see that often. But it has worked for them, and I'll be really curious. I'll be up at uh, 7 a.m. on Monday to see how their match against England looks. I mean, I think a lot of people in England are expecting an easy win on Monday morning or Monday afternoon come time in London, and I think that they uh, might be taken aback at how this match ends up looking. We can only hope. Um, all right. Well, uh, I, I kind of agree with you, too. Like, it's it's tough to call this one, both lineup and uh, result-wise, just because it depends on how the first two games went for everybody, what kind of permutations we're looking at. Um, but let's go ahead and do it. Brad, what's going to happen in this one? Uh, the U.S. is going gonna, is gonna to win 2-1. Seth? Uh, yeah, I'm saying the same thing. I'm, I'm thinking a late goal. I mean, I don't think quite Algeria level, but like a late goal that is this like cathartic experience of like, we finally got over the hump, we beat Iran and we'll make it through to face whatever we'll face in the Netherlands or Senegal, uh, most likely, or maybe Qatar will have bribed everyone off to win the group. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the offer has been made. We just need to figure out if anybody actually took it and uh, how they'll follow through. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 loss here. I think this is a, a late um, or mid to late kind of set piece, just soul crusher, and we don't we don't have the gusto to come back and and tie it up. So, um, I mean, we'll go back around. I think I said at the beginning, I said it the other day, I think we get four points out of this group. I don't think we qualify out of that. Um, Seth, what do you think? I mean, I've been saying at the beginning of this that we're going to get five points, and five points should be enough to get us through. Um, I still think England will be um, will be able to pull off a win over Wales, and even if they draw against Iran, that they'll beat Wales by larger than us to advance on goal differential as the as the top team from the group. I see us at five. What you got? England at five, us at five, Wales at one, and then I guess Iran at that point we would be at three. 
Actually, All right. After 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 keep running through the summer, is Iran beating I, Wales? I think it would have to be one two five five. But um... <laughs> yes. Well, no, uh, he did five five. Oh, yeah, because if they get a draw, it would be four. It would be because um, they would have drawn. So let's say we beat Iran, England draws them. They beat. It would be four, and yeah, it would, yeah, that would be right. It would be. Uh, they, it would, Iran would have four points at that point. So I don't know. That would we'll be. Buy- Will vibes the math into existence. <laughs> it's just I, I need, need to get the Excel out here really quickly and just run through it all. Yeah. All right, Brad, what do you think? Well, so so at the start of this this morning, I had said we were going to get four points and get out, but I think I've just predicted us to get seven, which I think tops the group. <laughs> so, uh, you know, go, 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 USA. It's coming home. It's coming home. Soccer's coming. I hate that song. I tried to listen to it yesterday. I was going to write a parody of it, but... I can't even get through it once. Um, okay, any big uh, big predictions or kind of wild things you guys want to throw out there that you'll look really smart about if they actually end up coming true? Uh, Brad, you want to go first? Cup in general. Um, um, I, I think that, that... Just the group. You know, I think that the three CONCACAF teams get out of their groups, um, but none of them advance past the uh, the first knockout round. Okay, what about group There's four CONCACAF teams. Costa Rica made it. Yeah. Well, but I'm, I'm saying that, that three three of them will get out. Okay. Uh, I don't think Costa Rica is escaping the group. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no um, 2014 miracles here for the team. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, make that bold of a prediction. But I do think Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. all get out of their group. Um, but I, I think they all fall in the, uh, in the knockout rounds, in the first I mean, knockout that's, round. That's Mexico's thing, right? Um, yes get out of the yeah, group lose, lose the first knockout game the elusive fifth game there that they can't ever seem to get to uh all righty seth big world cup prediction uh well I, I will just go back canada is not coming close to getting out of this group alfonso davies is likely not going to play on wednesday um there canada is facing quite is quite an injured squad and i don't see them i see them being respected respectable in that group but i don't see them getting out of that group um even though it is one of the easier groups in theory because belgium is is older than they used to be croatia is definitely older than they were four years ago and the morocco side i mean morocco side's decent but we'll see what comes of that um one of my dark horses at the world cup here is the serbian team they uh, qualified ahead of portugal in winning group a of the uh which got uh, UEFA qualifying, and they have some outstanding attackers, a strong defensive line. And yes, they're in a group with Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon, a challenging group, but I think that they will surprise people. And everyone always underestimates Switzerland, but I think that Serbia is the team that is getting underestimated over in that group. They got some big mean attackers on that team. So especially if this is going to be one of those World Cups where set pieces are key, they're they're going to be nasty to deal with. Um I have to change mine, so I'm trying to come up with it on the fly. My previous one was going to be Sadio Mane will play four games and be the top scorer in the World Cup, so that's obviously not going to happen. Um, I'll repeat another one, but I don't know if I uh, I think I believe it. Uh, the most intriguing one that I don't think is going to happen, but that I've heard is that Holland will score zero goals at this World Cup. <laughs> so... Cool. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, well, actually, that might put us in a good spot if... Uh, if that happens. So I think we, we all assume we're going to be, um, if we get out, we're going to finish second, I guess, Brad, you said winning, but um, do you have other than Qatar, obviously a team you'd rather play or not play at a group A? Uh, Seth, I mean, go ahead it, and handle that. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, I'll start, I'll start off here. I mean, you look at the four teams in group A um, Qatar. I mean, Devin, you and I saw um, the Qatar play the U S um, in Austin last year. Um, that Qatar team are playing at home, and if they can make it out of the group stage, would be a difficult game. But our B-side beat them. I mean, not handedly. I mean, honestly, it needed a penalty kick save and a Giassi Zardes goal, of all things, that were scored in that game for the U.S. to beat Qatar um, last year in the Gold Cup. But that would be – it would be an interesting assignment there. I mean, the Netherlands is coached by Louis van Gaal. Like, this guy manages to screw up nearly anything at this point. I mean, yeah. I, I am was absolutely perplexed by them leaving off Mark Flecken, who is the best Dutch goalkeeper in the world right now, not even making their their 
squad. Like, it just does not make sense to me. The guy has been an absolute magician this season in the Bundesliga, and they went with three domestic keepers. Like, they've had – I mean, uh, Cody Gamko has looked great for PSV, but the Dutch League – there's just so many goals scored in the Dutch League. And honestly, if Pepe was not in the Dutch League, he'd be in this in the U.S. squad because the Dutch League, they just – they don't play defense. It's the uh, Big 12 of European soccer just scoring – scoring all the time over there. Um, I don't know. I'm not as afraid of them. Senegal is a really, even without Mane, Senegal is a really good team. The, you don't win the African Cup of Nations just based on one player. And Senegal could very easily top that group. Ecuador has a bunch of talent as well, but I just don't know how cohesive of a team that is. They've been, I mean, they cheated to get to the World Cup. Uh, they used an ineligible player that they now have to pay a fine for and will have to lose points in qualifying in 2026. But I, I just don't see that squad as being super cohesive and would not be surprised to see Qatar pull off a win tomorrow in the opening match of the World Cup. I don't know if they cheated. They just got really into the uh, Qatar 2022 World Cup spirit, let's say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the court ruled that they used an ineligible player. They just didn't rule until 11 days ago, and it was too late to remove them from the tournament. Uh, Brad, who do you want to play? Um, I, th- I think you want to play either Qatar or uh, or Ecuador. I, I Frankly, I don't want to play... Uh, Senegal. I'd, I'd almost rather play the Netherlands than Senegal. I think that Senegal is a yes. matchup nightmare for our team. Um, I think that that we would be in very rough shape with with the way we set up, particularly at the back, um, against Senegal's attack. And I would really prefer to avoid them if at all possible. Yeah, I took a look at their midfield options the other day and went, oh, I do not want to play Senegal <laughs> At all. Okay. All right. Let's do one last question. Uh, Brad, what do you expect your biggest moment of suffering for Group B to be? Biggest moment of suffering is probably going to be the England match. I, you know, I've, I've now predicted a, both a draw and a loss in the England match, but I I still (laughs) think that it is probably a loss and I could see it being something of a heartbreaker. Uh, you know, I could see it being, you know, a late, a late mistake at at the back or a late transition type goal where we're on the front foot and they, you know, they catch us on the break and, uh, you know, snatch snatch defeat from the jaws of of parity. Um, but I, I think that's that's the highest uh, likelihood for a big suffering moment. All right, Seth. Oh, the Iran match has the suffering moment written all over it. Even though I've predicted us to win, that us getting a draw when we need a win to advance or having some goal that um, VAR reviews in a weird way. Um, I'll be really curious. Um, have, you, have any of you seen the ref lineups yet for the World Cup? I have not. I haven't. Uh, I, mean, I know who's officiating on the whole, but I don't think they have named officials for matches yet. Have they? I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Let me... Yeah. Let me ask my go-to well, guy. Actually, Seth, have you heard? The, I'm, I'm looking right now, and it looks like some of them have – just yeah, on the Wikipedia the first, page, it looks like a couple of them have assignments, but they're not all filled in. Yeah, uh, they, they try to not, not announce them too far in advance because of – it's funny. I should have just gone straight to Wikipedia because they have everything earlier than everyone else. But yeah, and is, the, only, the only two matches that show referees are Qatar-Ecuador and England-Iran. Yeah, they don't have we don't yeah, it's interesting. They've been yeah, Rafael Klaus doing England, Iran, yeah. An Italian ref, okay. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be curious to see who gets I mean, just the level of security that these refs are going to need, even compared to a normal tournament. And I guess I mean this is it now we have a World Cup with VAR with goal line review. I mean, this will be interesting to see how I'm sure VAR will screw up something, but I think that it will be just the US doing its own thing against Iran on its own without the refs will cause plenty of suffering in and of itself. Yeah, I think I agree. And maybe we'll, we'll get the semi-automated offside involved or, or something like that. But I've been saying for a while, we're going to have a, a just soul crushing set piece in that Iran game. That's going to put us out. Um, okay. Anything else you wanted to add, Seth? 
Um, no, I mean, I am as much as I am not looking forward to everything else around this World Cup, which is utterly disgusting and pathetic, that the matches itself should actually be pretty good. It should be fun to watch. And I don't think I'm going to get myself up for it. I was looking at the 4 a.m. Central Time match schedules uh, today, and there's not too many of them that I feel like I need to wake up at 4 a.m. for, but I'm going to be back in Ohio um, for a little bit next week. So that's 5 a.m. So maybe at 5 a.m. it's worth getting up for a few of those matches. But I'm going to watch too much of this over the next couple weeks and looking forward to it all right well i'll be up and watch every single game because i'm a glutton for punishment and yeah um brad anything you wanted to add before we close no i i think that uh you know much like the two of you on on the pitch this is this is shaping up to a pretty interesting world cup off the pitch it's uh a bit of a catastrophe but um you know we're we're here we're less than 24 hours or right at 24 hours away from start. Um, so there's not much you can do about the location at this point um, other than continue to make noise so that it doesn't, doesn't happen like this again. All righty. Well, um, I agree with it. Uh, thanks you two for coming. Uh, everyone, please uh, make sure to follow us on socials at suffering pod. Uh, if you could leave us a review on Apple podcasts, that would be great. Um, suffering from uh, I think I hit all the stuff I'm supposed to say to not get in trouble. So um, once again, uh, thank you for joining us and thanks for suffering with us. Bonus here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.